0: Well, good morning. Good morning to all of you here in the contemporary service. And again, uh, welcome to those in the modern service. It was a pleasure to baptize uh, little Gavin Winning, a seven-year-old there in the modern service this morning with his mom and dad, Eric and Christiana. And so good to be joining you together for the preaching of the word this morning. For those of you who are watching online, maybe... You have your feet up at the beach this morning, but you got church on. I don't know, but uh, it is great to have you with us as well. Turn to Matthew chapter 14. We're in week two of our series simply called follow a look at the life of Peter, uh, one of the disciples of Jesus. If you're new to Bible study, Peter is really the leader of the 12 when Jesus leaves and Peter is um, has such a huge role has such a huge role in establishing the church, in writing to the church. But even before we get to that, we want to step back and look at his life and look at key episodes in the life of Peter that teach us about our faith and teach us about what it means to walk after and follow Jesus. So last week we looked at Peter when he was called, and Jesus' call to really follow him, to leave everything behind and follow him. Today, we're going to look at a story, a very familiar story, if you're, if you're familiar with Bible study, about Jesus and Peter walking on the water. So in Matthew chapter 14, we have our text this morning, and here's what we want to understand. If last week Jesus called Peter to leave everything behind and follow him, this week Jesus is going to call Peter to rest in him and grow in him in the middle of the most extreme circumstances possible. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to think of storms in your life. Things that have happened to you, to a husband, to a wife, to your children, grandparents, things that have happened in your work or in your career, things that have happened in your marriage, things that are going on now financially in your life, things that are going on here in the life of our church. And I want, you to, I want you to think to that point where you knew the winds of that storm were blowing so hard, you didn't know what to do. Now, you might be there right now. Some of you very well could be there right now. But Jesus has an incredible word for all of us this morning. As he calls us to follow him, and then as we begin to walk with him, what it means to grow in our faith. So Matthew chapter 14, let's begin in verse 22. Will you stand in both rooms for the reading of the word this morning? I hope you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you. You might have it on your digital device. You might have it. There's one in the pew rack right here in front of you. If you want to grab that real quick, but we also have it on the screen to serve you as well. Here's what it says immediately. He made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When the evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. And with those words from Jesus, you may be seated. And may the Lord bless the. Teaching and the reading of his word this morning. I've never been in a storm like this before. I've never been in a boat in the middle of the lake and I thought I was going to die. I've never been on a plane where the pilot comes over the intercom and he says, uh, We're going down. Never been in that situation before. The the most recent example that I can remember of being in a storm of any kind where there was a sense of panic, not for my life, but for my car, was a few months ago when we had the hailstorm. Do you remember that? In March, at the end of March, I think it was, we had this tremendous hailstorm here in Greenville. And um, I didn't fear for my life per se, but I was thinking my car is gone. It's going to be completely total. Sitting at my office, it was late in the afternoon, and I look outside and it began to get really dark really, really quickly. You remember that? And there were some people in the office that were like, hey, um, you know, we're going to head out just to get ahead of the storm. And I'm typically the type of guy that says, don't be a sissy about it. All right, I'm going to stay, you know. Well, I was wrong. I should have gone. They, they were smart. They, they got out. And so by the time I packed up everything, the hail was just coming down. And it is piled up there on the side of, um, side of the office. As I look out the window, it's, you can hear it just, just banging off the windows and by the time I get out to my car, throw my stuff in. I mean, I'm just running out there, and I sit down in there. And, and I'm telling you, it, it's like there, there, were, there were someone on top of my car just pounding away with a hammer. It was so loud, and I'm thinking the roof is going to cave in. And so my first thought is, okay, find relief from the storm. My car is going to be damaged. The, I, I re- literally thought the window was going to shatter. The window was going to break. And so I start driving. I said, at least I can start moving towards home. And I go down Taylor's Road, pa- uh, past the Y, take a right there, take a take a left. And I thought, aha, the gas station. I th- the, the gas station on the right-hand side there, they have those coverings. I'm just going to slide in under there and uh, just be protected way down the storm. The only problem is Greenville County was underneath that that sphinx overhang, right? So I looked to my left. There's a bank, of course, everyone. And I mean, when I mean Greenville County, I mean, everyone's just piled in this way and that way and that way. I mean, they're all just kind of tucked in like little mice cowering underneath. And so I I said, you know what? Across the road, Heritage Bible Church, they've got an overhang and I'm going to just slide over. it. sure enough, I'm driving around the parking lot. Bang, 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 bang. Well, Spartanburg County was underneath Heritage Bible, Bible Church that day, and, and so I keep going down Covenant United Methodist, and, I, and I'm thinking, maybe they have something, but by that time, I learned, no way. I, I'm not going to find cover anywhere, and I'm just like, get home right away, and it's starting to flood. you remember that? It was flooding, and um, I, I'm almost home by then, and I pull in, and I run in the house, and um, Sure enough, car is damaged, thousands of dollars of uh, of damage to the car. I didn't make it out in time. But but here's what I, I want to communicate to you this morning is that when you're in the middle of a storm, here's what you're thinking. How do I find relief, right? How do I get out fast? How, how do I avoid the damage? Maybe that's what you're thinking in your life. How do I get out to just find relief and comfort and quiet and rest and peace and the damage to my car, the thousands of dollars. This is what we think of when we're in the middle of a storm. But Jesus wants to teach us something different this morning about our storms because Jesus is going to use a storm to teach us about resting in him and trusting in him and growing in him. You see, Jesus looks at storms differently than you and I do. We want to find relief. He sees him as a platform to reveal his glory and to grow you in Christ. So how does he do that? Well, we just read Matthew chapter 14. We read the first few verses, and Jesus, it says, immediately sends his disciples away. So here's what's happened, and you need to know this. He has just completed the feeding of the 5,000. Now, it's 5,000 men. That's not counting women and children in the the paragraphs right uh, before that. He's taken five loaves and two fishes and done this incredible miracle and fed thousands of people. Now, here's the chatter. Here's what's happening in John chapter 6. As John's writing the account of feeding of the 5,000, he says the people say there's a prophet that's come from heaven. Let's make him king. They recognize the power of this man. Now, they didn't fully understand who he was because they wouldn't have said let's make him king right away because Jesus didn't want to be king right away. He had to go to the cross first. He wasn't what they expected or what they wanted. And so he said, no, 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 no. Um, Disciples, you get in the boat and and go on the other side. I'm going to meet you over there. And then I'm going to dismiss the crowds. I'm going to deal with them because they want to make me king. It's not time yet. So you go immediately go across the way. I'm going to dismiss the crowds. And then he goes up to a mountain to pray. And he's by himself at the top of a mountain somewhere. And when you think about it, as we read the text, here's the boat. and It's out in the middle of the lake. And you read it. They're so terrified in the storm out there. And here is Jesus up in this mountain praying. Now, you're thinking, is that a very compassionate Jesus? Well, that's not the answer that, uh, that, that we're looking at. That's not the question, rather, we should ask. The answer is this. Jesus knows what he's doing. And he's up here praying as the disciples are in the storm. Now, why is he praying? He might be praying for a couple of reasons. One, he understands the urgency of this ministry. They wanted to make him king. He's thinking, Father, don't need to do that. Are we getting closer? Maybe he's asking that question. Maybe he's he's grieving. In the passage right before the feeding of the 5,000 passage, some men come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, your cousin John the Baptist, the one who... Um, You love dearly. Um, Herod cut off his head. He's dead. And it says that Jesus, when he heard this, he gets in a boat and he wants to go away. And when he goes away, guess what? Here come the crowds. He has to feed them. Feeds the 5,000. Jesus can't get a break here. So maybe he's up on the mountain to, to rest, to talk to the father about this. Maybe he's up in the mountain because he knows what's about to take place. We don't know. But here's what I want you to understand is that if you're in the middle of a boat out in the lake, Jesus knows he cares. I love what John MacArthur says, a great quote. I'm working through his commentary as we work through the life of Peter as well as several commentaries in the Gospels. Here's what he says. Jesus knew of their situation long before it happened, and he knows yours, too. And he didn't have to rush away from prayer in order to be on time to help. The storm and the disciples were equally in his hands and he knew in advance exactly what he would do with both. And what's he going to do with both? Well, he's going to teach his disciples. Thought number one this morning, and it's this. Jesus waits. He's up in prayer, but he waits in wisdom for the most purposeful time to step into our storms, not our most convenient time. All right, we'll leave it up there for those of you who are taking notes. Jesus waits in wisdom. He's praying. He's waiting in wisdom for the most purposeful time to step into the storm, not the most convenient time. Now, why do I say waiting the timing of all of this? The text says this, it was in the fourth watch of the night that Jesus comes down. All right. So let's do a little Roman math here. All right. The gospels are using Roman time fourth watch. Fourth watch means, um, the first watch begins in the evening time. For the Romans, 6 to 9. Second watch is from 9 to 12 at night. The third watch is from 12 to 3 in the morning. The fourth watch of the night is from 3 to 6 a.m. They believe that Jesus, he dismisses the crowds. They don't have lights out there. They don't have stadium lighting. He dismisses the crowds because it's getting dark. So anywhere from, some folks believe anywhere from 3 to 6, he feeds the crowds and then he dismisses them and goes up in the mountain. So early evening... To 3 to 6 a.m. For you early riders, some of you fourth watchers, there's nothing going on, right? From 3 to 6 a.m. And Jesus gets up and he says, now it's time. Do you realize there's the potential that these disciples are out in the boat from 6 or 7 o'clock to 3 to 4 to 5 a.m. in the morning? Here's the point. They're exhausted. They They can't do it anymore. They are so fearful. They, they are beyond any sense of rational understanding of what's going to happen here. And, and, and they have to be thinking Jesus had performed a miracle on the sea before. Maybe early on they were thinking this storm is bad. They were used to these storms. The Sea of Galilee is an amazing little, little lake. It's not a big lake at all. It's a shallow lake. It, it sits 700 feet below sea level and you have these tall mountains and the, co- the air is cool up in the mountains and it's warm down by the lake and so when the temperatures collide the air pressure drops and the storm starts whistling through there the winds start whistling through there and it just kind of jumps on that shallow lake and the winds and the storms can bec- become so severe so quickly but they're out there for hours now and, and they're exhausted and this is how some of you feel you You're absolutely exhausted. (laughs) You can't do it anymore. And you're so fearful and you've lost any sense of understanding that this is rationally going to work out. We're done. We're past that at this point. This is how they feel physically in, in the boat. This is how they feel physically in the storm. Meanwhile, the miracle worker, the one who can do anything, is nowhere to be found. Is that how you feel sometimes? Where is he? And he's waiting, he's waiting, he's waiting in incredible wisdom to come and do something that only he has the wisdom and the power to do. He wants to teach them that his time is different than their time. Our time, it it has to be expedient. Our time, it needs to be convenient. I'm in the car. The windshield's going to break. There's nowhere to go. Get me relief now. That's how we think. And Jesus says, I want to teach you more than that. I I, I want to teach you that I'm all wise. And so he comes to them walking on the sea. Mark chapter 6 says this. If you want to read just a little parallel version, Mark chapter 6 is not very long. Short little paragraph here. Mark adds this. And when I read this, I I, I kind of scratched my head and said, Jesus, what are you doing here? Mark 6 says this. That when Jesus was walking on the sea, he meant to go past them in the boat. Is Jesus showing off here? (laughs) What is he doing as he goes about? And here is what he's saying to them. Here's thought number two this morning. This is my favorite thought that Jesus has taught me from the text this week. I love this. Thought number two. Jesus speaks to our hearts with his presence before addressing the storm with his power. Jesus speaks to your heart with his presence before he addresses and fixes the storm with his power. The storm is going on throughout all of this. Jesus means to walk by, and here's what he's telling them. Fellas, you've forgotten who I am. When you get in a panic, here's what you do. Here's what I do, all right? When I get in a panic about a storm, I forget who God is. I forget what God has done. And I also begin to focus on something else, the hopelessness of the situation. I don't know if you journal. I don't know if you write. But if you get in a storm, you know what can be incredibly helpful to you? If you just simply write, this is who God is. Read the Psalms. Sit down in the Psalms. Here's who God is. Here's what God has done for me. I mean, the disciples just heard this incredible or just witnessed this incredible miracle over here. But after hours, that miracle is long gone, right? But write down, here's what God has done for me, and then also, you, you might want to write down, hey, this is what I'm focusing on. I'm focusing on the past. I'm focusing on what people say. I'm focusing on what people have done. I'm focusing on what my ex has done. I'm focusing on the business. I'm focusing on my career. I'm focusing on what my kids and how they treat me. This is what I focus on. So on this side, this is what God has done, and this is who God is, and compare the two and see where you come out. You see what I'm saying? But Jesus comes to help them, and here's what he says. My presence, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus, as he walks by the boat, and he comes to them. Remember, the storm is going on. He wants them to, and he speaks to them. In the middle of the storm, he speaks out loud, and he says, Guys, take courage. Take heart. You're in the middle of a storm. Yet Jesus, could, could you calm the storm down? As loud as we're going to die. Nope, nope. It's, it's, I don't be afraid. And Here's what I want you to understand this morning. And this has been so sweet this week to understand this, that Jesus does have all power to fix the problem. He does, but he wants to make sure you understand his presence near and dear to your heart first, because we want the problem fixed because then If the problem goes away, we feel better. And suddenly what we're after and what we pursue is the answer to the problem, the fix, the relief. We're longing for that. And and we hope in that instead of hoping in Christ alone. And so this morning, I would just encourage you in the middle of your storm, pursue the presence of Christ, feel the presence, sense the presence of Christ of Christ walking with you rest in that I wrote in my notes on the side of my notes this morning rest in his presence this is the to-do some of you are panicked some of you are frustrated some of you are angry some of you are upset some of you are lost some of you are overwhelmed here's your to-do this morning Rest in his presence. I don't know if you remember you moms and dads. Some of you, your kids are out of the house. Some of you moms and dads, your kids might have done this this week. But you remember when the storm comes and the lightning comes and the thunder comes? Or they have nightmares. What do they do? They, they come running down in your bed, right? You hear that? You hear the feet and you're like, oh, no. And they climb in your bed and they snuggle next to you. It's the worst night of sleep ever, right? And, um. Those little kids, their instinct, they know, they know as dad, even though I have a Captain America shirt, they know I'm not Captain America, right? They know I can't go out there, put on my boots, grab my umbrella, put on my rain jacket, walk out in the middle of the storm. Peace be still. If they did that, it would be like dad has lost it, right? Nothing would happen. They know that. What do they want more than anything else? My presence. My presence. They want to be close. The storm is going, and they're snoring away. (laughs) The the thunder and lightning, they're kicking me. I can't sleep. But they're snoring away. Some of you just need, this morning, here's the to-do, to rest in his presence this morning. Jesus wants you to know him. Peter, here's stop number one. in, In your journey, in your faith as you grow, I'm enough. My presence is enough for you, Peter. That's why the Holy Spirit for Peter would be so incredibly valuable. It's the presence of Christ. Which brings us to our third point when we talk about the presence of Christ. Number three, here it is. For those of you taking notes, Jesus responds to faith that is courageous but incomplete. Let's read together. All right, here comes Peter. Here comes our guy. I love this guy. Ready? Verse verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you command me to come to you in the water. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water. I think we should just applaud for Peter. He did it. All right, courageous faith. He did it right there. All right, some of you, you wouldn't do that. Where are the other 11? They don't do that. This man, put it on the resume, walked on water. Incredible faith, right? But then, (laughs) but then, when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Did you get that? When, the, when they got in the boat, I mean, the soundtrack, the sound on all of this is wind and storm and blowing and you can't hear and panic And they get into the boat and the storm stops. And those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Third thought this morning is this. Jesus responds to faith that is courageous, but it's incomplete. Now, here's where we begin to grow. Here's where followers of Jesus, if we we abandon everything and follow him, here's where you begin to grow. And here's what we think as followers of Jesus, that that we have to have it all buttoned up, that it has to be perfect, that we, we cannot fail. But Jesus is responding to this man who is just simply stepping out to be near him. Lots of, lots of people comment on whether Peter should, should have gotten out of the boat or not. Spurgeon, I read something where Spurgeon said Peter shouldn't have done this. I've read where other pastors and commentators have said, no, this is an act of, act of incredible uh, a love for Christ. Whatever it is, it's courageous here because the storm is still going on. And here's what I think. Peter, when you follow his life, Peter wants to be near Christ. He is always falling on his face but he's falling on his face toward jesus remember the trial when he denies jesus? well he's the only one getting close to jesus in the garden when he slices off the ear of this he's the only one who's going to step out and do that and peter when he falls he falls forward In his faith, moving towards Christ. And here's what I think. When he saw Jesus, there's just something about Peter. When he sees Jesus in all of his glory, he just wants to be near him. That's incredible faith. It might not seem, but he just longs to be close to him. The Mount of Transfiguration. He's the one that speaks up and says, we need to build temples here to worship you. And here's what I want to encourage you this morning. Is that your faith, it's a a process. There's progress in 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 your walk with Jesus. And when storms come, here is the opportunity for your faith to be stretched. Here is the opportunity for your faith to be strengthened. Here's the opportunity in the extreme circumstances in which you're in to, first of all, to rest in the presence of God. But second of all, to say... Okay, okay, I'll, I'll step forward. I'll lean into Jesus. And I'll step out. And even though my faith is incomplete, I'm still going to move towards him. i want to encourage you this morning. Some of you are, are, aren't, are, are fairly new in your faith. Perhaps you're watching this morning. You're a fairly new believer. Peter's an example of what it means to continue to step out. Some of you have been a believer for a long time long time. But this storm that you're in, all of your maturity, all of the wisdom and the knowledge and the instruction, all of the church life has got you stumped. And Jesus simply says, step out towards me. And when he does so, he he walks on water. And then he begins to become distracted. He becomes to see the wind and the waves and he begins to sink and and then here's the next step in your faith journey is the willingness to simply reach up to Jesus and call out to Jesus and say to him, help me, I'm sinking. So some of you, that, that's hard for some of you to say. That, that's hard for some of you to admit. It's hard for some of some of us in our pride to say, I, oh, I can never admit I'm failing, that I'm falling. But you know what? Here's how your faith grows. This is how your faith is strengthened. When you look to Jesus and you say, help me, and Jesus reaches down and saves him and pulls him up and puts him in the boat. Some of you, if you can't get to this point where you simply say, I can't do it. If you can't get to this point where you say, I failed, if you can't get to this point where you, you can say, I'm sinking, now, I don't know what's holding you back. But if you don't get to that point, maybe it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult for Jesus to reach down and to pull you up and to set you in the boat and to send you on your way. Because we stay contained. We stay isolated. We stay, har- we stay harbored within ourselves and Peter's just out there for the eleven to see. And when he gets in the boat, Jesus says, Peter, why did you doubt? Now, that's a that's that's, that's a that's a crazy question, isn't it? If I'm Peter and I get in the boat, here's what I say to Jesus, because the storm's quiet. They're all, can you imagine this? I mean, they're just they're just they're just breathing normal now. All right. Oh, you have little faith. Why, why did you doubt? And if I'm Peter and I catch my breath and I'm going to say, number one, Jesus, I'm the only one walking on water. What are they doing, right? What about their faith? You can tell me about my faith. What about their faith? And it's kind of a crazy question. What, why, why did you doubt? And I don't think um, here that Jesus is talking about the obvious. Well, because there's a storm and I'm going to, sink and I'm going to die. I'm going to drown here. The wind is blowing. Um, I'm not a fish. Fish don't walk on or I can't swim in the ocean. Uh, have you ever seen a human walk on water before? Gee, that's not what you, Jesus isn't asking the obvious here. Here's what Jesus is after. And the way that phrase is, is worded in, in, in the uh, Greek. New Testament, here's what he's saying. Not the distractions that are out there, which is true. The distractions that are out there, which keep our focus off of Jesus. It keeps, it keeps us from, from following him. I get that. But here's what Jesus is saying. That word doubt, it's been used also to say, you, you're, you're, you're trying to serve two masters. You're caught between two places. You're, you're over here, but you're over here. Peter, you stepped out of the boat and you started walking towards me. Why, did you doubt, why didn't you keep going? Right? Um. He's not asking him about the winds and the waves. We get that. He's asking them, why didn't you endure? Why didn't you keep going? What, what prevented you? I'm here. What, what caused you to pull up short? And maybe this is what Jesus is asking you and me this morning. He gets it, he understands it's hard. He's not doubting that. But he is saying to you, I'm here. So why don't you simply trust me fully, keep walking, keep going. And the wind and the waves stop. Now, here's the beautiful thing. He's all powerful, too. Let's not lose sight of this. Thought number four this morning is simply this, that Jesus, who is all wise and who is all powerful, is worthy of our submission to him. He's, he's shown his wisdom in coming to them, trying to, to, to get them to understand that his presence is everything. But then his power, the winds and the waves stop. I mean, the disciples by now should have realized this. They've seen the miracle of the five thousand. They've seen Jesus speak and the winds calm down. Here he gets in the boat. He doesn't have to say anything and everything calms down. And here they simply have to exclaim and declare, as we were in a boat last week in worshiping Jesus, here it is again, that in the storm, here's what Jesus does in the storm. You can't get there unless you go through the storm. Here's what he wants to reveal, that he is all wise to a level you've never understood before, and he is all powerful at a level you've never understood before. And when we hang on to that, when we truly get a glimpse of who Christ is, here's our response. Submission. It's okay. Okay, Jesus. I'll rest in your presence. I'll trust in your power. I'll submit. Jesus, can I tell you? It's It's been a long time. It's been a lot of hours. It's been a long marriage. It's been a long relationship at the office. It's been difficult. Jesus has been hard. He knows. He's all wise. He's all powerful. He knows. Submit to him. And this is where I want you to go as followers of Christ this morning. Because I know you go through storms. Man, the, the sweet people coming up afterwards. After the nine o'clock. Just saying, I'm in a storm. We're, we all go through them. You might be in one now. But my heart for you is for you to to see jesus not not to see the problem not not to see anything other than his presence and his wisdom and his power and his glory and for you to submit to him and as i prayed with someone after the first service i mean i'm praying with them and i'm thinking okay um Right now, they're, they're sensing the movement of the Holy Spirit. Right now, they're sensing that Jesus is speaking to them. And right now, they're feeling this is exactly what they need. But then, my first thought is, okay, how do I pray for them to fix this? <laughs> you, you see how we respond? How do I, how do I pray for them to, to get out of this? And I had to stop and I said, no, 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 no. Listen to the text. Jesus is all-wise and all-powerful, and if you trust him, he will lead. Is there decisions to be made? Absolutely. Is there discernment to to come? Absolutely. Does it mean we put our head in the sand and and keep? No, it's not what that means. But what it means is our focus and our attention is no longer swayed by anything other than paying attention to the wisdom and power of Jesus himself. Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me right now? Close your Bibles. And I'm, as we did last week, I, I love how the disciples at the end of their time together, God, they worshiped Jesus, understood who he was. And here we are again in another boat, same boat, actually. And so I'm going to ask you to get on your hands and knees for our commitment time this morning, if you're physically able to, as a mark of submission to the Son of God this morning, as a mark of submission to Christ. And I don't know where you are in your storm this morning. It could be a sickness. It could be the news of cancer. It could be the news of the divorce papers are working their way through. It could be the news of a son or a daughter or a grandson or a granddaughter. And your heart's just breaking over where they are. And you, as the psalmist says, are in a storm where the waters are up to your neck so this prayer this time is for you this morning to come to christ and this prayer is also a time for those that don't know jesus can't help but think of some of you who are watching online or listening to my voice this morning and this picture of someone sinking Peter's already a follower of Christ. He's already been abandoned to follow him. He's been following him for some time. But you know what? That picture is a symbol of where some of you are because you're separated from Jesus. You don't know him. And your sin and your guilt and the wreck of your life is so overwhelming that you don't even have the strength The voice to call out to God. Here's the incredible news. Jesus has come and died for your sin. And he knows where you are. And he knows you're sinking. And the beautiful picture of the gospel is not that we in our sin could do anything. Except turn to him. Jesus comes to you now as you turn your heart towards him and look to him and say, Jesus, help me. Save me down and he'll pull you up and he will change your life. So let me pray for both of these groups of people this, this morning. Father, would you be with your people as they go through the storms? And may they see that at the center is a man who walked through the storm of the cross, who walked through the storm of rejection and pain and suffering to carry our sin and shame and guilt upon him and to walk through so that He could save us, but then he could sustain us by his power and mercy. And Father, some of your people this morning, the water is up to their necks. They're drowning and they simply need to understand that you are there. And I pray that you would minister to their hearts in such a way where the presence of almighty Christ through the Holy Spirit overwhelms them and floods them with with tears of great joy peace, and rest this morning. Then help your people to grow. May they not stay where they are. As they got in the boat and they pushed off from shore, and then they got to land, that they're different. They've been changed. And may your people be changed by your word this morning. May they be different this week because of Christ and his word. And Lord, would you save the one who is drowning in their sin this morning? Lord, would you reach out through your Holy Spirit, maybe through someone in the body of Christ. Speak to them the incredible, gracious, good news that Jesus saves. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray in Christ's name.